0: Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the Sunday edition of St. Mark Lutheran Church's podcast from Bemidji, Minnesota. This podcast features a sermon from our church or another of our well-sister churches. If you are edified by our sermon today, you may be interested in our weekday devotions, which are published three times weekly on the same podcast channel. If you're already subscribed, you're all set. If not, what are you waiting for? I'd also like to invite you back every week for more sermons just like this one. Our sermon for today is titled, The Tree That Shouldn't Be, out of our sister church in Sioux City, Iowa, and it's based on Ezekiel 17. Pastor Allard reads the scripture for the meditation as he begins.
1: The word of God before us comes from Ezekiel 17. We read a section from it. All the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. So far the word. Please be seated. Human beings being inhumane to fellow human beings. You don't have to look very far out there in the world to see examples of that. There's an example of a, a guy named Bentley G. He puts his videos on YouTube. I don't subscribe to it, but somehow it became so viral it actually came to my attention. This guy actually put on the internet, on video format, he and his friend are looking for other friends. They have no other friends. They're looking for people with similar tastes and hobbies, and one of the examples is Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, stuff like that, nerdy stuff, right? And can you imagine what happened? Oh, my goodness. Why did he put that video on there? There was a few good people who, who reached out But if you look at the comments, it's just, you can see the full sinful nature just coming down like a tidal wave on top of this guy and mocking every aspect of his body that shows up on camera. It's relentless. It's brutal. It is the truth about our sinful nature. You give our sinful nature anonymity, it will show more of itself. Bentley G. You don't have to look very far to find examples of Bentley being ridiculed. You don't have to look very far in here to see examples. And I'm talking specifically in this case of times when you've been on the receiving end, when you've been bullied. And everybody has been bullied at some point. You can't live in this world without it. When you've been on the receiving end, maybe even been beaten up at some point in your life. The only explanation for such evil behavior, and it's not just in children, it's in adults as well, is when Jeremiah writes, but let's be accurate here, when God says, as he looks at the human race, through Jeremiah, he says, and I quote, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The infinite mind of God cannot understand Why a human being can be so cruel to another human being. In striking contrast to this, what do we see come from the heavenly realm? We see a God, the one true God, send his son into this cruel, brutal world to be killed. And this is God's way today, as we're going to see in the gospel. He uses the picture of a mustard seed to show the true nature of this kingdom of love that God puts on display for all the world to see. Today, we are going to look at the majestic tree that is Jesus Christ himself. We're going to look at the tree that should not be. But it is. The Lord, if he were to stand before us right now, preaching, he would draw our attention to somewhere right around him might be a small twig. Maybe he picked it up. Maybe he pointed to a tree nearby. And he points to that small twig and he says, I want you to imagine pulling a sprig off the top of a mighty cedar, maybe a cedar of Lebanon, and planting that in the ground. Now, You do not have to be a master of gardening or a master of the horticultural arts to know that if you take a sprig from the topmost heights of a cedar of Lebanon and plant it in the the low-lying hills of arid Israel, whether 2,000 years ago or today, it's not going to make it. It's not going to make it. There are things in this life like vines, Uh, There are things like potatoes that you have in your cupboard or sitting on a shelf in your kitchen. And what does a a potato need to start growing? It doesn't even have to be in the soil. It just starts growing. I, I wish our bodies were like that. Like if I had a finger taken off through some woodworking, I could say, oh, that's okay. It'll just grow back. I'm cool. Can you imagine that? But it's not a potato. It's not a vine. We're talking about cedars. and planting it in the arid hills of Israel. And we need to remember right here, before we go any further, God does the impossible. God calls things that are not as though they are. He looks at the human race, which includes believers who die like anybody else in this world, but he looks at his believers and says, you're immortal. He calls the dead as if they're alive. This is what our God does. And we can see it in the simple example of a tree being planted in the ground. All the little things in our life that are actually big. I just saw a poster on this recently. And it's a powerful point. Think of all the little things you did in your past. I'm going to give you just one example. Making a cardboard box and calling it a castle. Isn't that dumb that we do that? Calling it a castle. And you and your daughter are the king and the queen, and you play in your castle for the day. Little, stupid, trivial, right? No. Especially as you look back, and you know what happens to every single parent when their kids are moved out of the house, and you think, I wish, I shouldn't, but I wish. could repeat some of that take more time with my son or my daughter. It's huge. Those little things are huge. Little things. Like a priest receiving a lamb from a family, a family who's come up to Israel or to Jerusalem for the Passover, the lamb that the family has spent weeks and weeks with, and the kids have gotten attached to that lamb and they're taking care of it, especially on the journey, of course, to Jerusalem, keeping it safe. And the question comes Daddy, do, do we have to? Do we have to give the lamb to the priest? And the children know the answer before they ask it. The priest receives the lamb, and then the family, yes, they see the priest kill it. The lamb bleeds out, kicks a little bit, and is dead. Small little thing. Barbaric, we might say, in our Western culture today. We would look at that Jewish culture and say, how barbaric. But what happened in Jerusalem with animal sacrifices, it looks as it looks like any number of heathen religions, disgusting heathen religions, where they're sacrificing their animals and they're making the angry God happy. Looks like a trivial thing, doesn't it? But with these seemingly insignificant, trivial sacrifices, what happened and what was happening again and again on that Temple Mount on Zion was part of something huge that fills the world to this day. What little Jewish boy or girl could actually understand that that sacrifice of the Lamb would extend somehow into the present into the United States of America, in some new world on the other side of the planet. But it does. What a small thing, those sacrifices, as until you remember what they point to. What a small thing to take the time to sit down and go through the pages of the Bible, this holy Bible, and yet what's the reality? Through it, you are drawn into the kingdom of God himself. It may seem like a mustard seed, as you look at what the Word of God is, but then the Word of God starts to grow in your life and take hold of your life and you will see things about God's love for you over the course of your life that will take your breath away. Jesus said, My words are spirit and they are life. To the world, the Bible may seem like a nice book, like a book of Aesop's fables, at best, something that gives you a better life. But this book brings you, well, what does he write through John? At the very end of John's gospel, he says, these things are written that you, you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the living God, and that by believing, you may have life. It's huge. As you watch, One person in your life after another, and everybody will as we get older, one person after another die. This is huge. Just recently, in this last week, I told some of you about this. uh, The boss of FEH, where my wife works, he, he went riding on his bike on a motorcycle Memorial Day just by himself, having a good old time. He did it for years, he was good at it, and he's dead wiped out. They still don't really know why he wiped out on his bike on the way to Correctionville. But he did. Now he's gone. This is one little example of why the seemingly insignificant sprig that we would call the Holy Bible is huge. This book, this tiny sprig, is the only place in the world where you can discover something that you could never discover on your own that I cannot be saved by my own awesomeness. And I know sometimes we go, what are you talking about, Pastor? Especially in those dark days of our life where we might hate ourselves. We also have those times and seasons where we think we are awesome. No, I can't save myself by my own awesomeness. Only this tiny little sprig of the Word of God could actually tell us that we are saved entirely by Christ's awesomeness. And please believe this message as well. You are entirely saved by Christ in his righteousness. As Paul says in Philippians, listen to these words that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. In the Bible, I discover the truth how I also have been inhumane to the sprigs in my life. And I'm talking here of the people who almost garner no attention, who are invisible to us, or who are worthy objects of ridicule. The bus driver who takes you to school in the morning. Or the helper who helps the kids sit down and stay under control. That person. Or the poor... Guy or Gail working McDonald's drive-thru window, and you got four high school teenager kids, and they're all laughing and joking together, and they pull up at the drive-thru, and they got to look cool in front of their friends, so they make fun of the gal who's working in the drive-thru window at McDonald's. She's a sprig, she's nothing, she's trivial to them. The grandpa, who, oh my goodness, here goes grandpa, he's repeating the same old story. I'm not even going to tell him anymore, I've heard this story, yada, 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 yada. Why do we have to go here, mom and dad, to see grandpa or grandma? And have little thought for the wisdom that we can receive as well from grandpa or grandma. The sprigs in our life. The trivial people. But are they? In the Bible... We see just how far this madness goes when Jesus was mistreated by not just the world, but by his fellow Jews. And look what happened. Look what the reality was that came out of that chaos and madness. I quote, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Dear sisters and brothers, grab onto those verses that I just read. Because is there anything more instructive as to the beauty of the mind of God than that? He takes the weakest, the most despised sprigs and he lifts them up. God chose a tiny sprig to be the source of all salvation. Right? Isaiah says of Jesus, listen to how similar this sounds to the words of Ezekiel. Isaiah says, he, Jesus, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Here we see the tree that should not be. The tree that should have never even come into this world in the first place because we were not worthy. The majestic tree. And look at what happens to that tiny sprig from the cedar that is planted in the land of Palestine. It grows into a mighty tree where all the birds find refuge in its shade. The Hebrew here, the Hebrew culture has a little bit different take on birds of every kind. They actually say birds of every wing, literally in Hebrew. I guess that's a good way to distinguish different types of birds. You know, you look at the size of their wingspan. But think of this. God accepts the crows, the peacocks. We don't have a hard time thinking of human beings, right? Like this, the peacocks, the arrogant peacocks, the crows that nobody wants around and are noisy and brash, the doves and the seagulls, the majestic eagles, The robins, the swallows, yes, even the sparrows. They have all come together under the shade of this tree that should not be in this world but is, all to find one. Refuge from this cruel, inhumane world. Now, I want you to think deeply on this, especially for those seasons in your life. If you're feeling awesome today, find your awesomeness In Christ in his forgiveness. That's great. But if you're in one of those seasons now or in the future where you might just hate yourself, think about, and I shared this with one person already, something that's even smaller and more insignificant, trivial than a bird, even more so than a sparrow. It's about this big. And yes, it also has just taken shelter in my backyard. A whole swarm of them. Honeybees. If you go in my backyard right now, you'll hear the hum. I think they're moving on. I think they're just stopping temporarily. Honeybees are so trivial, right? If you know anything about that insect kingdom, they're they're responsible for about how much of our agriculture? About 90%. Human beings would cease to exist on the face of the earth Without honeybees. For those days and seasons in life when you hate yourself. We don't ever want to say that out loud. No, nobody ever hates themselves. No. For those days when you do, every wing is welcomed. Every bird of every wing. And we need this shelter. God himself lays it out probably more brutally, honestly, than we even want to hear. When he says through King Solomon, who had it all, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Boy, you're going to say those things when you see the cruelty of humanity, right? You read the paper and you watch the news. What did happen on January 6th? I don't even know. I get the feeling everybody's lying at this point. Is the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Insurrection now? Are they inciting insurrections in our country? Seems like it. That's just one example of the news you read on your phone or your tablet. And you can feel the frustration of this cruel world. Or you go to work and you see jockeying. You know what I mean by jockeying? People jockeying for positions and willing to step on other co-workers in order to get to those better positions. Life is filled with frustration and Christ wants you to become little shelters. A little oasis that can invite people to the majestic tree. Little oasis. And go right back to the two examples I gave. When people are worried about what's happening to the FBI, accept the wisdom when people around say focus on taking care of the people around you, your family and your friends. Affect change and good and help those that are immediately around you and read less news. When it comes to people jockeying at work, be that little oasis where people go and see you who just shows up at work and say, I'm just here to do the best I can. If somebody notices, great. If they offer an upgrade, a better job, I'll sign up for it and see what happens. That kind of attitude. Let people see that. They need to see it. And then we, together with those we are inviting into the shade of that tree, will be ready to hear the call. The call that says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest under the beautiful shade of this the branches of this tree. A shelter that is so effective it even shelters you from death. So know that your king has come to you. And this is the King of Kings, the one who actually came into this world and was born as a baby. You know in what town he was born. And rather than waiting for us to come to him and serve him and prove ourselves worthy, he came and he bowed before us and said, put it. Put the load of your sin on me and I will take it and I will kill it on that cursed tree. Our king comes to us and he takes that load onto the cross and receives all of God's righteous anger against all of our insane cruelty. And God then shows us the nail prints in his hands as the forensic evidence. Anytime you feel the arrogance or the self-loathing rage in you, look at the forensic evidence of God's justice and love. Our king says to the weary and the exhausted, and who isn't, he says, come into the shelter of my love. Come to the majestic tree. Come to the tree that should not be in this world, should have never come, but he did. To the one who was lifted high on that cursed tree and now invites every bird that should not be there, that has no rightful place to be there. But God invites anyway. Birds of every wing. And as you sit in the shade of this tree right now, look around and you notice, huh, there's still some room in this place. There's still some room in the shade of this beautiful tree cedar tree. That is Jesus. Who will it be in your life? There's still some room. Who will you say? To whom will you say, come? Find some shelter in the shade. Amen.
0: That's all there is for today dot O-R-G.